Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast, what we so cleverly call the POD cast, your Detroit Lions podcast, the most rated Detroit Lions podcast in existence. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the man. Nope, got it wrong again. I am the editor in chief at Pride of Detroit and your substitute host for the POD cast. You can find me at Detroit online on Twitter. We are back for another week. We are... I'm kind of, I got my spring break attire on. I know, Ryan, your your spring break is over, um, but the the weather says otherwise. Um, so we're 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 gonna get into the kind of last bit of uh spring break, I guess, in that we're gonna recap free agency on this podcast. We're gonna talk, kind of set ourselves up for the draft because we're less than a month away. But let me formally introduce my co-host this uh this afternoon, this evening, Ryan Matthews. Back is the rock guy. That's at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how you doing? I think you just need to start calling yourself the boss. The boss? Yeah, I'm Jeremy Reisman. I'm the boss. I don't like, know. I don't, I don't think you'll forget that. I won't, but I don't want to be compared to Bruce Springsteen. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so Chris is off this week, so um, we're just doing a two-man show this week. And yeah, we're going to get into free agency. We're kind of going to recap what the Lions did, what we liked about what they did, what they didn't do, maybe what we didn't like that they did do, and then kind of set ourselves up for, um, like I said, the draft, which is just uh, over three weeks away. But before we get into that, um, there was a bit of NFL news that dropped this afternoon that I think has some ramifications in terms of what it means for the Detroit Lions. In the upcoming draft, and that was the trade of Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Ryan, initial reactions to that trade that really, uh, I think, shakes the things up pretty considerably. Absolutely. I think I think for one, what it does is, well, I, let, let's 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 talk about what um, the Carolina Panthers had to part with in order to get Sam Darnold. Sure. They gave up a six round pick this year, which you know, doesn't seem very significant. Sure. If if those were the terms of the trade, I wouldn't have taken quarterback off the board for Carolina. If it was right. only a six round pick, then they'd just be taking a flyer on a guy like Sam Darnold. But it was the fact that they had to give up a second round pick next, next year. year. Yep. And then there was an additional pick that they had to give up fourth. Yep. Next year. That's some pretty significant draft capital to be giving up for a quarterback. So I think, yeah, I, th- I think in turn, that's going to take quarterback off the board for Carolina. Um, and with that being said, that was the one team that was behind Detroit that could have possibly made a move to to get up to to seven to take a quarterback to make sure that they got the guy they want so they didn't have to maybe, you know, bid with other teams that could have been 
potentially moving up to you know Detroit spot at seven. So I, I think it definitely does have ramifications on the first you know first eight picks of the draft. Um, I, and also the other thing it does is it one hundred percent lets you know that there are quarterbacks coming off the board at one, two, and three. Yeah, I don't think there was much of a question before uh, this trade, but now it's it's a hundred percent certainty. I would say at this point that. Uh, the Jets are definitely taking a quarterback, and I think we already knew with the 49ers' aggressive move up, they were taking a quarterback. But yeah, I think the 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 really important part here is what it means for Carolina, because I think a lot of Lions fans are kind of stoked with where the Lions were at, right in front of a quarterback needy team. That means trade down scenarios all over the place. And and sure, at this point, we're just kind of coming up with scenarios. We don't know how much truth there is to it. I know Albert Breer said the Lions were one of the teams to look at um, uh, in terms of a trade down, but. This uh, this move specifically seems to alter that. And now I'm not saying that that completely eliminates the option of, of trading down. But now the Panthers are kind of in the pole position because they got the Bronco. The, the Broncos are now the next most needy team in that top 10 outside of the top five. And so the Panthers could possibly be in a position now to trade down. And, and um, you know, if you're a team looking to trade up, why would you reach over? them to the lines it would cost you more um, unless there's suddenly a bidding war and, and Carolina's asking for too much maybe the lines can cut down the price a little bit and and make it worth someone else's while but for team trade down and I think if anyone has listened to this podcast more than you know one episode you've probably heard me saying I'm team trade down kind of a bummer right yeah and I think you've been team trade down ever since I've known you so <laughs> yeah um yeah 100%. it it um here, here's the other thing, too, I think, with the Lions is that there was this kind of dream scenario where the Lions could move back a spot and yeah. they could still get a top offensive skill position player or, you know, they could still get, you know, one of the top tackles. If, if that happens to be Rashawn Slater or, you know, Panay Sewell, I think what this does now is if there is a team that is going to trade up, the Lions have to take such a significant step back. They have to start looking at, well, if, if we're going to take that big of a step back. 15 to the Patriots or 19 to Washington. That's a pretty significant drop in terms of the kind of talent that you're going to get from seven to one of those positions. So it, it, you know, interesting things happening in the draft so far, and it hasn't even happened, but we know the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks. Yeah. And I guess it might as well kind of look at maybe the, the rosy side of this, which, you know, I'm, I don't necessarily fall into this camp, but if, if you're in the camp where you want the Lions to draft a quarterback, well, now there's one fewer team more likely to jump you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that that's, that's kind of the positive spin on this, and, and who knows? I mean, I'm still of the belief that everything the Lions have said in the front office points to them believing in Jared Goff at least for a year or two and believing, more importantly, believing in building the roster before kind of sliding in that last piece of, of, of the quarterback position. But... If, you know, I, for whatever reason, um, be it Dan Orlovsky or something else, um, Justin Fields seems to start sliding down people's boards and might be there at seven. Let's talk about that really quick before we jump back to free agency. Yeah. What What's your thoughts on Justin Fields? Let's say Justin Fields is there. We'll take Kyle Pitts out of it for, for your sake. We'll say <laughs> Jamar Chase is off the board as well. Um, maybe, maybe Sewell's there. Maybe the other two wide receivers are up there still. Um, how serious are you considering getting um, Fields? Strongly consider getting Justin Fields. And yeah. the reason why is he's my QB too. 
I really, I think that highly of him. Um, yeah. I, I think there are there there are an awful lot of statistical measurements. There's a lot of advanced data that suggests that Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in this draft class. I think obviously the things that are being passed along to certain people um, <laughs> is a bunch of you know nonsense to put it to put it kindly, but. I think that highly of Justin Fields. So for even a team that is, I, I'm going to say it, the Lions are locked into Jared Goff for two years. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I with that, so. with that restructure, Jared Goff is, he is going to be here in Detroit for two years. He's undoubtedly going to be the starter this year, regardless yeah. of whether or not they draft Justin Fields or not. Um, year two, maybe there might be a competition there. Um, but I think that with, with certainty that if, if Justin Fields is there at seven, I think the Lions have to take him because look at how valuable he could be. Say Jared Goff does play well. Well, then you have a very valuable trade asset in Justin yep. Fields. Um, and or, or the or vice versa. Like if you like yeah. Justin Fields, uh, what he's doing in camp, then Jared Goff is your trade asset. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, iron will sharpen iron and it'll make both of those guys valuable. Um, yeah, absolutely. And the one other thing I want to say is if Trey Lance goes before Justin Fields, what is going on? That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, it, it it's definitely weird. And there's a whole bunch of, of stuff out there. And I don't know, it seems like once we get to draft day, something surprising happens with quarterbacks, you know, whether it you know, be the Bears taking Mitchell Trubisky out of nowhere or someone else trading up into the picture that maybe we didn't expect or all yeah. sorts of things. So it's obviously a little early for us to speculate what the lines are going to do or even have there at seven. But um, I think the Panthers making this trade certainly impacts things, at least from our viewpoint right now. Yeah, and we're getting closer to knowing what the Lions are going to do at seven. Yeah, but <laughs> ever, ever so slowly. <laughs> the the pace things are going at this point, maybe we know picks one through six before <laughs> any, before Roger Goodell even steps to the podium. And we still have to wait an hour and a half before the Lions pick. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> That's how it's going to work. All right, uh, now let's back things up to free agency because uh, I think we need to know where the Lions are at before we know where they're going. Um, and this week or last week, um, I think it was, it was Dan Campbell who said specifically like, yeah, don't, don't expect too much out of us. Um, in the upcoming weeks, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll visit some positions. We'll, we'll have some guys in, we, they might even sign a guy or two, you know, they're bringing two guys in this week, but, um, basically free agency is essentially closed at this point. The lines are going to make any big moves. I don't think between now and the draft. So let's evaluate what they've done. Um, it's been, it's been almost a full month since free agency opened. And um, I, I kind of want to do this almost like let's give let's give out awards. And I know that's a incredibly stupid thing to do before any of these guys have played uh, a game. But, you know, favorite. Hell yeah, let's favorite do it. Sort of thing. <laughs> uh, and let's start with the offense. Uh, I'm going to run through all the new guys and all the guys that are gone. And it's a long list. So let me take a big breath here in Jared Goff, Tim Boyle, Tyrell Williams, Rashad Perriman, Khalif Raymond, Damian Ratley, Josh Hill. Out. Matthew Stafford, Chase Daniel, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Jamal Agnew, Mohamed Sanu, Jesse James, Ode Abushi, Joe Dahl, Russell Bodine. And then there's still a couple guys unsigned, um, including Adrian Peterson and Danny Amendola. So out of let's start with the signings out of that group. What is the favorite signing that, that the lines made? Or, you know, if you want to do trade to if, if the Jared Goff acquisition is something you're very excited about, um, you can include that. Yeah, if I was. I mean, I'm totally in on this rebuild. So obviously the the Jared Goff 
trade acquisition. If you consider the other parts that came with it, yeah, maybe my maybe my favorite uh, offseason offensive move that the Lions made. But I'm going to say that Tyrell Williams is my favorite move. Okay, I like Tyrell Williams from from the standpoint that we've seen him be productive. We've seen him be a deep threat. We've seen him be somebody who can create separation and make big plays. He just needs to do it more consistently. And yep. he's going to get a chance. He's going to get an opportunity in Detroit to be the number one guy. I I can't say with any certainty that Tyrell Williams in any of his other situations, he was the number one guy. So he's in a very unique situation. I mean, yes, TJ Hawkinson is here and he's going to get plenty of targets as well. But Tyrell Williams is he's wide receiver one right now. And depending yep. on what depending on what the Lions do in the draft, I think I think even if they do take a wide receiver, he's still kind of wide receiver one. Yeah. And that might certainly be the case. And he's, he's had some experience being wide receiver one. It's not his ideal spot, but you know, when Oakland kind of had the Antonio Brown thing blow up in their face, that's what he had to do. He had to be the number one receiver and it wasn't horrible, but it certainly wasn't, you know, his best season. Um, for for my pick and I'm cheating here because I forgot to include it on the original list and I didn't say it. Um, Jamal Williams running back out of green Bay. Um, you, you know, if I'm at, if I'm saying a free agent running back signing was my favorite that I think it, that it was actually probably a good, a good move to make. They didn't spend a ton of money on the guy. <laughs> they finally got a, a, a veteran back there that isn't 32 years old and, and on the last leg of his career, he's a guy that's going to be a lot of fun when he steps in front of the media. Not that that should take precedent when you, when you're signing guy, but Good character is important and and bringing a little fun to a, a city that has not had a lot of fun in their locker room in a very, very long time. That can't hurt. And so I'm pretty excited about that one. Um, I, I think as much as I wanted to see carry on Johnson potentially have a shot at that RB2 job, um, I'm fine with just having a lot of depth there. And given how the lines luck have, has been in terms of running back health, we might see carry on in there more than we predict at this moment anyway. So I'm fully behind that Jamal Williams signing. I think it was one of the better moves they made all offseason, to be honest. And I mean, you absolutely love it because the Lions don't have to draft a running back now. So true. That, that's the- <laughs> that, you know, what? That, that's probably why it's my number one move. And I didn't even realize it was, it was subconsciously my favorite reason right there. It, but it, it that position is one of the very, very few, maybe the only position that the Lions can take off their draft board. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah. honestly, like if they want to draft one in the fourth or fifth round, I'm still okay with that. I mean, carry on's on his last year. Um, they'll, they'll, who knows how, how Jamal Williams works out and that's only on a two year deal and they could potentially cut him if it doesn't work out. So long-term long-term there's, there's really no answer, right? When, and that's something I think we'll get into the third segment. Like, I don't think there's a wrong answer in, in what you can draft. Um, if, if you're looking at two, three years down the road, cause there's just not that many guys signed beyond two years. Right. All right. Let's get to least favorite move. On the offense in free agency, I'll go back to you again, Ryan. What do you think? My least favorite move that the Lions made on offense this offseason—it's going to sound—it's going to sound goofy, um, but not re-signing Ode Abushi. It seemed like it made so much sense just to plug a guy in there who's been here. He has familiarity. Hank Fraley is one of the few people that's a holdover from the previous regime. He was surprisingly cheap in terms of the contract that he signed with the chargers. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of perplexed by it, but at the same time I, I had read on Twitter, um, man, I'm totally 
uh, forgetting right now the uh, the Twitter, the go-to guy uh, for offensive line. Oh, not Jeff Schwartz. Jeff Schwartz? No, 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 no. Thorne? Is it Brandon oh. Thorne? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He had mentioned how, like, he was putting together yeah. a list of, like, um, his, quote-unquote, like, his guys that are offensive linemen in the draft. And he said he got to nine names, and he, like, he had to stop himself. He's like, this is yeah. insane. Like, there is so much depth in this draft class on the offensive line that there's going to be valuable guys that you can get well into day two, even potentially on day three. So I think it makes sense from that standpoint. However, the Lions, they have some younger, like they have Logan Stenberg, right? Sure. They decided to part ways with Joe Dahl. I guess you can kind of throw Joe Dahl into this as well. I mean, yeah. um, I know the Lions saved a little bit of money by, by you know, cutting him, but I, I think that it would have been nice for the Lions to have a veteran in case of emergency option rather than right now they're kind of looking at, okay, if, if Vitae is coming into guard, then what are we going to do at tackle? Because Tyrell Crosby, I don't think is the answer. Man, and unless they, unless they, <laughs> hey, <laughs> Khalil Max Kryptonite, Matt Nelson. All right, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it, it's one of those things where it's like you know one of the strengths for the offensive li- or one of the strengths for the Lions uh, on offense is their offensive line. It's just that that right side that needs to get shored up. I don't know unless they spend a very high pick like getting Slater or getting Sewell at number seven, if they can get a, a tackle who's ready right out of the box above Tyrell Crosby. Yeah. Uh, my, my answer was going to just be a more generic version of what you said, which is what are they doing at offensive line? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it was Eric, uh, who pointed out Eric Schlitt, um, pointed out they, they have nine guys signed right now. That's nowhere near enough just to sport someone in you know you you want to be able to support usually there's three offensive line teams in training camp they don't have two full ones right now um and yeah it's surprising to me that Odie Abushi wasn't resigned mildly surprising that Joe Dahl wasn't resigned i mean if they were going to create 15 million in cap space by you know restructuring Jared Goff did they really need the 2 3 million that they got from cutting Joe Dahl probably not Probably not. I mean, money was tight, but I don't think it was that tight where they necessarily had to make that move. And, you know, th- those guys or Obushi did sign elsewhere. Dahl is technically still out there. So I guess um, the Lions could theoretically pitch him a, a smaller deal. But it doesn't. I mean, that sort of stuff just doesn't usually happen. Usually if someone takes a pay cut. They just take a pay cut. You don't cut them and then uh, resign them. But yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure what the, the plan there is, is in terms of depth at offensive line. I'm I'm okay with where they're at in terms of a starting lineup, um, but we know how that works. Um, off offensive line rarely has the same five starting guys for 16 weeks or 17 weeks now. Um, so th- there's there's a lot of work to do there, I think, and um, I think a, a day one or day two pick is very much um, potentially in the mix there. Let me ask you a question about these uh, offensive transactions that the Lions made so far this offseason what was the move that you were least upset with and wait say that again in, in terms of the offensive line and in, in terms of just the, the all the, the offensive like the bringing offensive. in taking out what what's the move that you were least upset with least upset with yeah uh I guess I'll give I you my, what, I'll give you mine it's Kenny Galladay yeah that, that's what I was leaning towards yeah yeah I mean it was a tough decision um I, I, don't get me wrong. Like I would have loved to see Kenny Galladay be a part of this rebuild, be a part of the team that eventually comes out on the other end in, in two or three years or whatever it is. But given where the team was at this time, given the financial 
you know, situation of this team. It, it just didn't make sense. And so I'm happy for Kenny Galladay where he landed. I'm happy for the Lions for, for the third round compensatory pick that's coming their way, assuming that Galladay doesn't get injured and play zero minutes next year. But um, overall, yeah, I think that's the one that that didn't hurt too much. Yeah, it, it, it was just so it was so weird how <laughs> him turning 28 snuck up on all of us. And yeah. it was like, you know, you, you talk about, you know, the cap situation the Lions had, the deal that Kenny Galladay himself signed. And, you know, all of those things, taking all of that into consideration, it just didn't make sense for Kenny Galladay to be part of this rebuild. Yeah, and I, I could lie to myself and, and all of you by saying, you know, Matthew Stafford because they got a heck of a return for him. But no, that that one still hurts a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That one still hurts a little bit. Yeah. Uh, um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the defense, and then we're going to talk about free agency in terms of the future. A lot of these were on one-year deals, but how many have a chance to potentially stick around a little bit longer than that if they uh, impress in 2021? So stick around with the POD cast. We'll be right back right here on the POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome back to the POD cast, where we are recapping free agency to get us prepared for the draft. Now less than just over three months, three weeks away. My goodness, I can speak. I'm all rattled now that I'm the host of the big the big show, Ryan. Uh, I can't handle it. Big boss pants on. Got to be the big host. <laughs> all right. It's, it's all tougher right. than it looks. I've never done it. I can only I can only, you know, make fun yeah. from the peanut gallery. You know what? Maybe we should just make you the, the host for segment three. Hmm. No. <laughs> all right. I tried. Uh, all right. Where we left off, we were talking about free agents and uh, we, we talked about the offense. Let's talk about the defense. Real quick mm-hmm. recap of, of who's in, who's out. They added Charles Harris. They traded for Michael Brockers. They re-signed Romeo Quara. I kind of had to slip that one in since it was a big move. They signed Alec, Alex Anzalone, and they uh, signed Corn Elder last week. We haven't really talked much about that. Guys on their way out include Danny Shelton, Jared Davis, Reggie Raglan, Christian Jones, Desmond Trufant, Justin Coleman. And then some guys still unsigned include Everson Griffin, Tony McRae, Dron Harmon. I think we expect all three of those guys not to be back. So... Let's ask the same questions, starting with favorite move. All right. Favorite move. 
<clears throat> it's really easy to say Michael Brockers, yeah. right? It's really easy to say Michael Brockers is is the favorite move that the Lions made on defense, but I'm going to stick with just free agent acquisitions. I like the I like the addition of Charles Harris, and I'll I'll tell you why I like the addition of Charles Harris. I I got to thinking, and I and I was like Charles Harris name sounds so familiar, and then I went back and I saw oh yeah 2017 draft pick. <clears throat> there was a player who was taken right before. Charles Harris in the 2017 <laughs> draft at 21st overall named Jared Davis. Yeah. And it was interesting enough that I did a little bit more digging in Mel Kuyper's 3.0 mock draft <laughs> for the 2017 season. Charles Harris was the pick uh, for the Detroit Lions, even over somebody like Taco Charlton, who has not experienced a ton of success in his NFL career either. But the reason why I like Charles Harris acquisition is because he's going to come in and I think he's going to get an opportunity to play and thrive in a very specific role. Like, you know, Sheila Ford Hamp talked about, hey, we want Charles Harris to come here and get after the quarterback. That's something that the Lions have sorely missed over the past seven seasons, I should say. Sure. So um, it, it's something that I, I like it because it is, again, it's one of the one year prove it contracts. If a guy is going to do it, He's going to do it here. And I, I, I truly believe that because with this defensive line, I think that there's enough talent that's surrounding Charles Harris on that defensive line that it's going to give him an opportunity to, to, to break out a little bit and have, have himself a nice little season. It's interesting because Charles Harris is probably my answer for worst move. Ooh. And it's just and, and it's not that bad. I mean, every every move they made this offseason pretty much was low risk, low, low reward, right? Like a lot of these guys. And, and we'll get into that in a second. Just they probably won't be around next year and, and they're taking one year flyers just to see what they're like. So I'm, I'm not like I'm not going to trash on this move because it, it, it's just they didn't pay a lot for him. There's there's very, very low risk in this kind of move. But he's a guy where I just don't expect like I wouldn't be surprised to see him get cut before they get to 53 men. Um, I, I think I think he's you, you mentioned Jared Davis. I think he's like the Jared Davis of edge defenders. Like he's had his opportunities. Oh. Oh. And it didn't work out. Like, I'm sorry. Like, we 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 tried. He's been on two different teams. He's got what six six and a half total sacks in his career. I I just don't see like you have to have a lot a lot a lot of blind faith in this coaching staff. And I know we're all raving about the coaching staff to believe that they're going to pull something significant out of Charles Harris. And so I'm not too enthused about that one to be honest. But you know, like I said, low risk. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw a tantrum over it or anything like that. That's okay. All you did was hurt my feelings. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what about I, you? I, I mean, yeah, let, let's just let's not include Brockers because I think we both agree that that was may, maybe the best move that they made this this free agency, um, if you want to call it free agency. Um, I kind of like Corn Helder though. Um, I think that was a pretty sneaky signing there. Guy that flew under my radar completely, and you know I've I've been begging for this team to find someone that could play the slot corner position, and they finally did, and. Listen, this isn't a guy that's going to blow everyone out of the water and he might the lines might draft a guy that starts over him, but he's a guy that really Carolina Panthers fans, they weren't very happy with their defense last year, but he was a guy that I think a lot of them wanted to see resigned because when he played, he played very very well and it was his first year in 2020 really getting significant playing time and he did a good job. He has great instincts and and PFF grade was up there. The, the one interesting thing about how last year worked out though is that they actually benched him towards the end of the season. 
and I think that had more to do with like them just trying to figure out what they had for the future because they'd seen enough of him to. Oh, I mean, obviously they weren't that happy with him because they did, they let him go. But I don't know. You look at the film. You look at his PFS grade. It's it's a good signing. And then again, low cost isn't going to cost them anything in terms of the compensatory pick formula. I think he has a really good chance to start. And he's what? He's 24, 25, 26. So um, still very young, still has a chance to grow. Going to do it with with one of uh, what we expect to be one of the best coaching staff in the secondary. And so I think he has a he's a good low risk signing who isn't costing a lot lines a lot and gets them to a place where they don't have to get a starter at slot corner. Cause I think he can do it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to like about that signing. I, I think, you know, you already hit the nail on the head when you said it, it filled a need and it's, it, it, it's weird though. Like he's the elder statesman of that defensive backfield. Yeah, that, that is weird. How, how's he going to thrive in that role being the, you know, being the veteran of the group. Well, I, I'm hoping they're not done there. And, and you know, the, they're hosting a couple guys this week that have a little bit more experience. And I, I, you're right. Like they need, they need a veteran guy to be that kind of leader. And I'm not, I'm not sure Cornell Harris or Cornell is that guy. <laughs> I, I hope that Cornell and Will Harris do not morph into one person. <laughs> that would make Cornell <laughs> there's, there's there's more Charles Harris. What about Cornell and Charles Harris? Is that, is that okay? might be the best player in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move to your least favorite move. Um, Cornell, favorite. just to, to mix it up with me. <laughs> Get me back. Uh, uh, what if I said Christian Jones? Would would anybody ever respect my opinion ever again? <laughs> Letting um, Christian Jones go? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to I'm going to say Danny Shelton. OK, yeah. And I know that Danny Shelton was he, it was almost a necessity, right? Because of yeah. the cap situation. But if the Lions would have just decided to restructure Jared Goff's contract, and they could have definitely found a way to fit Danny Shelton into their plans for 2021 if they wanted to. And yeah. I, I think it is a significant. I think it's a significant enough downgrade from Shelton to Penasini, because as much as we as much as we liked what he what we saw out of you know Penasini in his rookie season. I mean, it was like flashes and there was flashes of not so good stuff, too. So it's not one of those things where it was like, oh, yeah, just makes sense. Cut tie with Danny Shelton, John Penasini, you'll be fine. I think that there is a significant enough downgrade for there to be a discussion about, hmm, should the Lions have kept Danny Shelton instead of moving on from him just because he made sense as a cap casualty when the Lions probably could have found a way to make that work? Yeah, I think I think that's a great answer. Um just and I'm not saying that to make up for for me dissing your last answer. <laughs> um, no, I, I think Danny Shelton was was. I mean, I won't say a head scratcher because saving four or five million is is significant. Um, but you're right. Like if the lines wanted to keep him, they could have. And and that's true for a lot of these guys. Um, that there's a, there's a reason why they're hitting the reset button on a lot of these guys, and the reason they cut eight guys to save money. Um, they, they, it, they I mean they they worked something out with Nick Williams. So. They, they could have figured something out with Danny Sheldon had they wanted to. And it's clear that they didn't want to. And what that means for the nose tackle position in the future, obviously it's not going to be as featured of a position in uh, a defense. that's going to be more involved in, in rushing the passer and, and more two gap than one, or I'm sorry, one more one gap than two gap, but it's still going to like sub package the, the Nick, the, the nose tackle still exists. And yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready to hand the reins to, to John Penasini either. So 
a, a, a small head scratcher, but one that that I think, and like I said, I think with all these moves, they're they're all kind of a low risk, low reward. Nothing, nothing to really get really angry about. I think with any of these moves, but also nothing to get super excited about. Is that is that a fair assessment? I, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Yeah. Uh, and with that being said, let's kind of do a full overview here now. Um, we, we we've mentioned that most of these deals are one year deals. Um, the lines are, are taking a lot of shots on some of these guys and, and whether that means they're, they have a potential to stick around next year, or maybe they do such a good job that the lines can turn around and get a compensatory pick for them next year. Um, that all remains to be seen, but let's talk about what we think of, of these guys and how many of them could potentially stick around um, and could potentially take full advantage of this opportunity, because that's, that's what Dan Campbell said, like he's there. They looked at all these guys as chip on their shoulder guys, guys that just needed an opportunity to prove themselves and then move to the next stage in their career. So out of this group of, of, you know, 15 or so additions, who do you see as someone that, that can take, that will take advantage of that and maybe stick around in Detroit? <clears throat> I'm going to steal your guy. I think it might be Corn Elder. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it makes a lot of sense to, <clears throat> you know, take a, they had to take the flyer on the guy. And there were teams that had interest in him beyond just the Lions. So that's that gives me a sense of, OK, well, something clicked like when they had their sit down meeting, something clicked where Cornelder didn't have to hear anything else from anybody else. Um, and Detroit was a place where he wanted to be. Well, if Cornelder plays the way that he played in Carolina and gets, you know, he gets coached up by Aaron Glenn maybe something really harmonious can happen here with, with Cornell there and fitting, you know, fitting that nickel corner spot. The lions don't really have anybody else there at the moment because you figure Oruwarie and uh, Okuda are going to man the outs- outside spot. So I think Cornell there makes a lot of sense to be that guy. Um, I, <laughs> for the same reason though, I, I would say like Charles Harris, like imagine if that guy has like a, for whatever reason, seven, eight, nine, 10 sack season for some reason are the lions going to want to pony up for a guy who I shouldn't say that because they did sign Romeo Aquara. Um, <laughs> well, they might not want to do it again. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a different situation, but um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think for, on defense, I would say Cornell there. I would say on offense, I could see, I could see Tyrell Williams sticking around for more than one season. Yeah, he was going to be my answer for the offense as well. Um, but but to kind of go off of Cornell there, the one thing I've, I've really noticed kind of looking deep into this free agency class at cornerback is that coaching really matters. Um, you look mm-hmm. at a guy like Will Parks, the guy that they're they're bringing in this week uh, at the safety slash nickel position. He's a guy that, that really thrived under one coaching staff and then moved to a new team and didn't thrive. Justin Coleman is a guy who was looking really, really good. And then Matt Patricia got on his hands on him and suddenly now he's making, what, two million a year instead of 10? Like that. Yeah. It, it makes a big difference. And so you never know with, with some of these guys. Cornell, there's obviously a, a good example, too, because the first couple of years of his career didn't work out and then something clicked um, last year. So whether it's coaching or, or, or whatever, um, I think Cornell, has got a shot here. And if if Aubrey Pleasant, if, um, you know, the, the Lions entire defensive coaching staff is, is as billed. Yeah, I think that has a chance of, of being a potential long term answer as well. But yeah. to, to go. Um, to go back to offense and to talk a little bit more about Tyrell Williams, I, I think I think he's a really good number two. I think health is just the biggest concern, and you never you never know how health is going to work out in the future, right? Like everyone thought Matthew Stafford was a guy who, who couldn't fight through injury, who, who was doomed to, you know, 
start eight games a season after his first couple of years. And then he goes and has an Iron Man streak for, that, that lasted almost a decade. Um, and so I, I like Tyrell Williams a lot. I think he's a little bit, I think of, you know, we, we keep talking speed, 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 but I think this, this is a guy who's a little more versatile than that. He's not just a speedy guy. He's got good arm. He's got good hands. He's got good, uh, attacking the ball at the, at the point of uh, reception. I think he can make some contested catches. So I I'm really excited about him. I also, I also think Josh Hill, I know we're getting towards the end of his career, but he's a unique guy. And, and we, we, went over the quotes of Sean Payton and just how much of a key he was to their offense at times. I think if he continues to show that he still got something left, I could see him as one of those guys getting the down mule back treatment of just one year deal, one year deal, one year deal, one year deal, mm-hmm. and and being happy with that. And so um, I, I like having him. I thought he was also one of the better signings the Lions made uh, a really good fit for, I think what they're trying to do. And uh, as long as he kind of continues on the career trajectory he's on, I think he'd stick around for another year or two. Yeah, I think that's a great comparison. Josh Hill could become the well, it's funny because Don Muleback is always listed as a tight end in Madden anyways. So <laughs> um, Josh Hill just fits the mold. The, the the thing I will say about Tyrell Williams real quick is that I could see him having, you know, a, a good season in Detroit and wanting to stick around with the rebuild because they were the team that gave him a chance. Yeah. And, you know, we saw what the wide receiver market was like this offseason. Granted, we're all expecting the cap to, you know, move upwards, uh, you know, in the next couple of seasons. But I could see Tyrell Williams making, you know, making his home here. Uh, anyone else on that list that you think might uh, stick around a couple of years? I mean, Alex Anzalone, I think it's almost like the Josh Hill treatment, right? Like the former Saint, like, let's just see how it works out in a new place. If it does, you're a veteran. Maybe you stick around for another year or two. Yeah, I, I could buy that. That he's actually he's probably the guy that I think on a one year deal that would come back um with 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 certainty for sure. Um yeah. I I'll, I'll say right now on the podcast that I think that Michael Brockers is going to play out the duration of his contract with the Detroit Lions. That'd be interesting. That third year is 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 going to be expensive, but uh and and they can get out of it easily, but if he's, you know, the the big question with with Brockers with me is just what does he look like without Aaron Donald next to him? It's a super fair question to ask, but I mean the guy's a former first round pick for a reason. True, um, and I guess the other name I would bring up is Brashad Perriman because I don't know I think I think everyone in Detroit is just like super rooting for him right like especially us us old I want oldies um, who who watched his his father. Um, you know, become one. I mean, that offense under Scott Mitchell, people don't like don't like to say it, but like it was one of the best in the league at the time. Yeah. And and yeah, Perryman was a big part of it. And everybody's got to be rooting for Bashad Perryman. And I mean, you, again, you're talking about another, uh, another former first round pick, a guy who has a lot of physical talent um, and just hasn't been able to put it all together for whatever reason. Um, maybe maybe a former NFL receiver like Antoine and Randall L has to the key to opening that up. Um, takes a lot of faith, I think, at this point, because, again, we're talking about a guy who who's had plenty of chances and hasn't had it work out. But um, he's someone I'm certainly going to be rooting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a very unique situation when I approached you about like doing this kind of a topic because the Lions signing so many guys on one year contracts. That's not exactly sustainable in terms of like, no. you know, building building a foundation or building a roster. Um, obviously, you want to turn to free agency for your exclamation points to, you know, make your big splash signings when you think you have everything else figured out. But, um, 
yeah, it, it's just one of those interesting things where will you see the Lions kind of, you know, build these guys up and then maybe let them walk and play the compensatory game or some of these guys maybe make their way on the roster for for years to come? Yeah, I mean, it's really a, a big opportunity for both the Lions coaching staff and the players themselves to just kind of prove themselves to to see. Oh, yeah. It, and really, you know, show each other their own talents, because for the Lions coaching staff, if they get these guys to buy in, if these, they get these guys to play well, they're probably more likely to resign and stay in Detroit because like, wow, you were the guys that, that helped and figured everything out for my career. And on the other side, the players are like, this might be one of my last chances and I'm going to get a lot of playing time in Detroit because they don't have a deep roster. And, uh, you know, I, I signed a low deal this year because the cap is going to go up next year. So, like, I really got to make it happen this year. And so. It, it really is a symbiotic relationship that makes a lot of sense on paper. Now, whether it all works out, I mean, it rarely works out as, as, as harmonious as it looks. Um, but um, I think, I think the approach really from both player and the lines perspective, I think made a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. With that, let's take a break. We're going to head into our third segment where Ryan's going to host. I'm going to make him do it. Uh, and we're going to talk about the future um, in terms of, what do lines do now that free agency is over? What are the biggest needs? What does it mean for the draft? And then we'll we'll just start getting ready for the draft because we don't have a lot of time here. It's it's coming. And as much as I hate pre-draft stuff, we're gonna get into it and we're gonna cover it well, I suppose. I guess that's a left that, that's up for you to decide, dear listener. But we're gonna get into all that when we come back for the POD cast. Stick with us. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back for the final segment of the POD cast. Couldn't get Ryan to do hosting duties. He's a coward. Um, but you know what? <laughs> oh, I, I made him sad. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean it. It uh, was such a good intro. And then you just like decided to <laughs> tarnish my myself. good name. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Yeah, um, whatever. Let's talk about the Lions future. Let's talk about what they need to accomplish in this upcoming draft. Because while they got some stuff done in free agency, there's certainly a lot to get done um i published a post today on pride of detroit about the six biggest needs but i think i could have made that list 12 if i wanted to so um ryan in, in terms of this year what do you think is the biggest priority remaining in in, in terms of building this team for 2021 is it weird to say safety no not at all it, it doesn't seem like it's all that important of a position in the grand scheme of football to fill, like it seems like, Hey, we can just go sign, you know, Will Parks, like, and he'll be our safety. That's fine. But I just think it's so critical for the Lions defensive backfield to get shored up because you look at those Rams defenses and they had players like John Johnson, right? 
Like they had players like Troy Hill who like fit, fit that mold of playing the nickel corner, playing the, you know, safety, moving moving them around. It seems like the Lions have been just, you know, they've been a miss trying to figure out how to solve the we don't have Glover Quinn problem anymore. And, you know, Tracy Walker has had his ups. He's had his downs. Who knows how much of that has to do with the coaching staff? Will Harris, not so many ups, quite a few downs. It doesn't seem like there is a long term solution in place currently. Now, I think Tracy Walker could eventually um, he could maturate into being a long term solution at safety, but that's only one guy. And I really think the Lions need to they need to address that situation. They might do it with Parks, but I think they need to do it in the draft as well. Yeah. And you're I mean, you're kind of hoping that Brad Holmes does what he did in in. Los Angeles, which is get those guys mid to late rounds because I mm-hmm. mean, we, we talk about John Johnson, but also um, Jordan Fuller last year, sixth round pick guy who ended up starting like all 16 games, I think, no 12 games for them. Um, a guy who played out of his mind. Um, and so I think, I think maybe that's why we haven't seen a lot of movement at safety. Maybe, maybe Brad Holmes just has a, a, a real good handle on, on, depth in in the safety and i think it was brad holmes himself who said he likes the safety depth in this draft and so i wouldn't be surprised one bit to see them grab a safety in the third round in the fourth round in the fifth round i mean probably not in the first round but early on or in those kind of mid round picks where you're still potentially getting starting talent or i mean if he can get a sixth rounder i mean they, they don't currently have a sixth rounder but if they can get a guy like that in one of those final two days of the draft or rounds of the draft. If they accumulate a pick or two here or there, knock it out of the park. I mean, um, he, he would be a legend if he could somehow replicate that in his first year. But yeah, I, I think safety, if, if it's not the number one need, it's, it's top three, no question. Because like you said, not only I think is a starter position up for grabs. I think there's plenty of depth positions up for grabs there. Um, given that they let a lot of those guys go, um, and I, I, w- I would add corner, like might as well talk about corner while we're while we're in the secondary. Um, we, we talked about the need of a veteran guy, but I, I think people who are penciling in Okuda and Oruarie as their starting outside rece- corners for the next two, three years down the line. Taking a little bit of an optimistic look at that situation right now. At this point, I think mm-hmm. neither have proven themselves to be starting worthy for more than you know i mean right now they're lined up to be starters and if they start the year being starters like that makes sense but if we're talking you you know 2022 2023 who knows these guys need to show a huge jump in play and while i'm probably i'm i'm expecting it from okuda i'm not so sure on overwarrie and so i think the lines would do well to create competition there and whether that means adding a veteran or or adding a rookie or doing both which probably makes more sense um it's a need it's a big need yeah, and I just tell me a little bit more about why you are so skeptical about Oruwarie. Like, are are is it one of those things where you just think like fan perception is a little bit, you know, misaligned with what the team has actually gotten out of him up to this point? Like, are are fans just a little bit too optimistic? Like, what is your what's your sticking point with with him? I mean, I, I just I mean, I, I hate to say it, but he hasn't been good. I mean, I, I I think fan perception is that he's been good. I think fan fans have been behind that guy from day one, and I get it. Like he was a guy that a lot of people thought were going in in the second round or, or maybe even the first round. The Lions get him in fifth. Wow, like that's amazing. And you know he started a lot, 
So that alone makes people think, wow, fifth round pick that's starting. Maybe that's good. But you look at the tire fire, the line secondary has been, he was part of it. And, and yes, coaching did them no favors. Yes. No pass rush did him any favors, but I don't think he played particularly well. Like when he had to go up against good wide receivers, he was getting burned pretty regularly with the rest of them. And again, that's not to say he doesn't have a shot to be a starter in this league. He, he could certainly win that job in this year. We, we talked plenty about the coaching staff and how they could potentially turn around Jeff Okuda. Well, yeah, the same can be said of Amani Oruari. I just have a little bit less faith in him because, I mean, he was a fifth-round draft pick. 32 teams passed on him four times. But there's got to be mm-hmm. a reason for that, and we've seen part of the reason for that so far. Yeah. You know, there, there's a guy who I think would really fit well um, for the Lions, and... <sighs> you would hate it because it would probably require them to like maybe trade back up into the end of the first round. Okay. But um, from TCU, uh, Trevin Morig. So just, you know, checking out, like he received more than 15 scholarship offers as a four-star cornerback recruit in 2018. And he ends up going to TCU. But the thing that I think really fits well with um, what the Lions are going to try to do on defense These are his snap counts in 2020. 313 snaps at slot corner, 198 snaps in the box, and 172 snaps at free safety. So, I mean, that guy, like, played all over the place. He looks like he's going to be, like, somewhere in that, like, 20 to 26, 27 area. So, definitely, if the Lions could find a trade back partner, if the Lions were to draft a safety with their first pick, I think a lot of people would be apoplectic. I think people would be nuts. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, well, I mean, from the standpoint that you go from like a shiny thing like Jamar right. Chase or Kyle Pitts or a franchise right tackle, and you go and get a safety, like <laughs> I, the perception of that would be yeah. would be so skewed. But he's a guy who, it, if the Lions could even find a way to like move up, at, if he doesn't go on day one, if they could find yeah. a way to move up. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You get that extra day to think about it and you're sitting there, you know, eight deep in the the second round. You're like, I don't know if I want to wait and see if he falls to us. Let's let's make a move. I mean, I wouldn't be completely against that. The Lions certainly have a lot of extra picks to to play around with. It's not it's not my favorite thing to do to trade up, especially high in the draft because it becomes costly. But I'm I'm with you. I think I think he'd be a great fit in this team, in this defense, especially since they're going to be asking these safeties to do a lot of things. They like the split safety look, which means you're going to play some zone. You're going to play some man to man be up and down and all that. And, and yeah, the fact that he plays close to the line, I think uh, Tracy Walker believes that he's a better free safety. And so that would free him up to to play a little more free safety. Mm -hmm. Another, another awesome little note about, uh, Morig is that, uh, he led the nation in pass breakups each of the past two seasons. There you go. Yeah. So talking draft already talking draft um, talking draft um let, let's talk a little bit more about other positions of need um I, I think we have to talk wide receiver um we we you know i think we both like some of the guys that they signed this year um but do you, let me ask you do you think they need they absolutely have to grab a number one wide receiver in this year's draft i i don't think that they have to it's just one of those things where the value lines up with it, right? Like we keep right. on talking about like where the draft is meeting value and where value is meeting, you know, the draft point. I think it just makes a lot of sense. It makes so much sense for Jamar Chase to be the guy. It makes so much sense for Jalen Waddle to be the guy. And that's why you see him getting mocked, um, you know, on the draft network. Jalen Waddle is getting mocked to the Lions, you know, today. Devonta Smith has been mocked by, you know, Mel Kuyper and McShay is, you know, 
it's all over the place. Like just give the Lions a wide receiver because they lost Kenny Galladay. They lost Marvin Jones. They lost Jamal Agnew. They're probably not going to resign Danny Amendola. They have all these one year options. But at the same time, does that need to be the pick at seven? I don't think so. When you look at the rest of this draft class, I mean, people are talking about how there are round one grade receivers that are going to be available like on day two. The, the athleticism in this year's class is just ridiculous. You find you can find probably four, two guys, maybe in the third round. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And you can find all different kinds of receivers. Yeah. So like you're not even getting pegged into like, all right, well, the Lions have an outside guy in Tyra Williams and they have another outside guy in Brashad Perryman. Quintez Cephas, yeah, he probably figures best to be served as a slot receiver. But do you want... No, like the Lions don't have to worry about any of that. And that was another thing that, you know, I noticed about the the piece that you wrote, Jeremy, about, you know, the top six needs that the Lions have going into the draft. They don't have to be picky. They can get any kind of wide receiver. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and slot receivers, the other kind of piece to this puzzle is that they don't really have. I mean, they have guys that could potentially play it, but no one has proven they can play it at the NFL level. And so, I mean, I guess you can you can look at the roster. You can say, you know what, if we have to deal with Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman as our, as our one and two on the outside and then a rookie as your nickel or as your, as your slot, it's not the end of the world. It's not ideal. But I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of problems to address on this roster. And if they don't get a number one receiver right at the top, well, they'll probably have a good shot at some of them next year. I'm sure Alabama has another five amazing wide receivers coming up <laughs> the, the the tunnel because that's. I mean, they're just a factory at this point. And same with LSU. Um, <clears throat> so I, I I think they'd prefer to grab a number one wide receiver to, to fill Kenny Galladay, to make people forget about Kenny Galladay in, in a hurry. But I'm, I think I'm with you. I don't think they have to. I wouldn't be surprised to see them do it and draft someone else. I think we've we've mentioned a couple times, I think wide receiver might be the position where they're most likely to double dip. Um, but in order to do something like that, they probably have to accumulate more picks if they're going to accumulate more picks, easiest way to do that is trade down the first, which means you might pass up on one of those top tier talents. Yeah. Yeah. What about how important is linebacker for you in this draft class? It's a tough one. Um, I think they could get along with the the group that they have um, with basically your, your I, I want to say there's only essentially two off ball linebackers that are going to be starting most of the time in this, in this uh, defensive scheme. So if it's Jamie Collins and Alex Anzalone, like that's fine. And then you have, um, you have Jalen Reeves maybe to, to potentially back up. The problem is they're really thin there, right? They, they definitely need mm-hmm. bodies there and, and whether they, they get them through the draft or, you know, some of the, the remaining guys out there in free agency, I guess is not that important to me, but in terms of future, it's a big need. Um, I don't, I don't think Jamie Collins is, is going to be on this roster for many years beyond this year. Um, Alex Anzalone's on the, on, on a one-year deal. So who do they have for the future at linebacker? I think the answer is nobody because I, <laughs> Based on the comments from last week, I don't think Jelani Tavai is also very long for this roster, considering Dan Campbell nearly forgot that he was on the team. Um, so uh, in terms of long-term need it's, need, it's huge. In terms of 2021 need, uh, give or take. Yeah, yeah. I, You know, and, and I only mention it, too, because for for what it's worth, you know, Todd McShay had the Lions grabbing Missouri linebacker Nick Bolton with their mm-hmm. second-round pick who is just a really interesting prospect um, because if you take a look at his measurables, you're like, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have even been close to Matt Patricia or Bob Quinn's yeah. draft chart. Not on the radar. 5'11", yeah, 5'11", <laughs> 232. Yeah. But I mean, 
the guy like he's just instinctual his processing speed by all accounts is like top tier um you know obviously he has some limitations because he's only 5'11 but like if you want a guy who can get like from sideline to sideline and make plays like that's a guy for you and that there's quite a few other guys too in this draft. I mean, um, you, you take a look at the the top of the draft. There's obviously there's Parsons who, you know, for whatever reason keeps on making his way to the Lions at seven because they do have that linebacker need. So it, it's one of those interesting positions because like the Lions didn't really do much at linebacker, give them a linebacker, or the Lions didn't really do much at wide receiver and they lost a bunch of wide receivers, give them a wide receiver. So, um, but beyond that, there's you know Koromoa from. Notre Dame, he's a really popular one for, you know, people who like to trade back in, in any of those scenarios. Saving Collins from Tulsa. Yeah. Um, a lot of people like that guy. I don't know if he'll make it to them in the second round, but yeah, yeah. Or another even, kind of trade back guy. Yep. Yep. Jabril Cox from LSU. Yep. So, I mean, those few guys right there, they're all top 50 players. So, I mean, it's one of those things where for the Lions, like grab the top guy on your board at seven grab the top guy on your board grab the best player available because guess what you need him yeah and that, that's what i was saying during the the locker room um, session we had it's just like i'm not that concerned about need in the draft right now i'm concerned about talent because all these guys are on one-year deals all the guys that are hanging around from previous regimes might not stick around for very long there's really not a lot of positions you can look two years down the road and be like yeah, they probably got the piece they need there. I think maybe offensive line is literally the only position. Like they got their left tackle of the future. They've got their left guard of the future. They got their center of the future. They might have their right guard of the future. We'll see how how Vitae responds there if he can stay healthy. And then right tackle is obviously a big question. But like everywhere else, quarterback included, tight end included, like I mean running back included, point at a position you're like, is there a long-term solution there? The answer is most likely no. And so that's why I'm that's why I don't want to get overly obsessed with need when it comes to this year's draft, because screw the 20. I hate to say, it, but screw the 2021 team. If they're relying on a rookie to to get them over whatever hump they're trying to get over in 2021, it's not going to work out. Probably ain't going to happen. Yeah, no. <laughs> and so you're you're building this team for the future. And I, I truly believe that they're going to take that approach, too, because we've heard Brad Holmes say multiple times, like, I'm always thinking about things two, three years down the line. If you look at this team two, three years down the line, there are just not a lot of building blocks. And so you're right. Grab talent. I don't care where. I don't care who. Grab talent. Grab talent. Grab talent. That's it. I think that should be it for the podcast. Just grab talent. Grab talent. Hashtag grab talent. Make it go viral, I guess. At the pit stop. No, 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 no. Hashtag pit stop. (laughs) Talent. All right, we are going to close it out there. Thank you all for listening to the POD cast. Thank you, Ryan, for joining us. Did you have something to say there? You kind of leaned in like you were about to say something. No. Okay. No. Nope. Misreading. Misreading. Um, anyways, uh, appreciate you. Uh, make sure if you ever want to join our live show, we do them on Twitch and YouTube, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit or youtube.com slash C slash pride of Detroit. You can watch us live, ask us questions during the breaks. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but until next time, it's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>